Welcome to a Better Divorce podcast where we have conversations about the emotional, financial, and legal issues that are on your mind or should be on your radar if your goal is to keep your divorce out of court. I'm collaborative divorce attorney and mediator Andrea Vaca, and I know that how you divorce matters to your long-term well-being. That's why it's my mission to help you have a better divorce with as little acrimony as possible so that you can create the best life possible on the other side of your marriage. Hi, everyone. This is Andrea Vaca with another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast. And today I'm so happy to welcome Gabrielle Hartley to the show today. She is um, an attorney and an online mediator. Her uh, practice is 100% online. And she is the author of two books. Um, a, one is the most recent, A Better. It's called Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. And her other book previously was The Secret to Getting Along and Why It's Easier Than You Think. Not only that, she has a very popular TED talk called um, that talks about her yes method for conflict disputes. So, Gabrielle, it's so great to have you here. Welcome to A Better Divorce Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I'm excited to have the chance to finally talk to you. I know we've been uh, we've been uh, you know social media friends, I guess, for a few yeah, years now. Long time, yeah. I feel like yeah. I know you. Yeah. So, um, and so before you were a mediator, you were a court clerk to a very well known and well respected New York City Supreme Court judge, um, New York State Supreme Court judge, but based here, I think, in Brooklyn. And um, he handled all divorce cases and you were his clerk. So after that, what made you move from being in the, the you know, the, the heart of the litigation process um, away from that into mediation? Can you just tell us a little bit about how that happened? So I worked for Judge Sunshine in Staten Island and in Brooklyn. And during that time, I had um, the pleasure of helping bring hundreds and hundreds of high conflict trial-ready cases to resolution. And when I left working for the judge and went into private practice, um, I really wanted to keep doing the kind of work that I was doing there, which was helping clients bring things to a close. But, you know, society really pushes us a lot toward litigation, both as a young practitioner. Um, it pushed me in that direction. I think it pushes a lot of people. Any of your listeners, you might think like, oh, you know, I'm not going to get a good deal if I if I mediate. I need to go to court. The judge is going to tell me what to do, et cetera. But what I what I know, and you, of course, also know, Andrea, is that, you know, the judge is just a person. And the judge that I worked for, he used to always say, you don't want this stranger in black robes deciding your life, right? <laughs> and it's really true. The judge is just a person who's going to make the best decisions applying the law. But remember, the laws have a really wide array of potential outcomes. You can't know what a judge is going to do. And um, and so when I wrote Better Apart, I was just really excited about the idea of providing people a, um, a way to step out of their heads for a minute and engage with exercises around patience, peace, respect, clarity, and forgiveness, which would all help to elevate their own sense of self while they're going through this really draining divorce. And um, so... I don't know if that answers your question. Anyway. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, I mean, and you and the role of the court clerk, for those who um, who don't know, is to help 
out the Judge Havlis trials, right? Well, to try right, to right, right. Them. At the time, it would be like, and I was like, you know, 30 years old when I was doing it. So I had the much like older lawyers, really experienced attorneys and the clients and everybody's, by the time they coming to see me, it was very heated, right? Like they were not your typical mediation cases. They were high conflict. They were in court because they had some dispute that they thought was worth spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on. And I was kind of like the last stop before trial. Right. So. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, I loved it. Surprisingly, I was like, "This is really fun." Well, obviously, I mean, you were so your your you know conflict resolution is such a, a core part of who you are and 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 what you do now. And 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 but you've also, I've you know, you talked about your weird family based on your how your parents divorced. Yeah. Um, so just what made them in as you know. As a child, what made them so weird? And as an adult, looking back, what made them so unusual? What what was it? That yeah, so they really had the vision of being a transformed family. You know, I, I was raised with the notion that our home wasn't broken. We had two different homes, um, but we were still like, it was very clear to me when I was nine years old, my parents sat me down and they were like, we're your parents, we're in charge, you're not going to run this show like a lot of other kids do. And, you know, they met with the mediator, they had lawyers. I mean, I remember this, and this was like, you know, early 1980s, right? And they um, decided together with my input that I was going to change houses between my two parents and alternate weekends. And they had, we had a real 50-50 split with like, you know, I guess my mother had a tiny bit more, you know, now that I look at it from a legal point of view, I understand like what, how the negotiation must've happened because all Sunday nights I slept at my mom's house. So mm -hmm. probably she just needed that one little extra and my dad gave it to her. But you know, it's like Catholic holidays with dad, Jewish holidays with mom, like summer schedule, the whole thing. And when I went to court and I worked for the judge, I, I kind of, it, it feels like, so naive of me of me to have been so surprised at how court the process in you know the 20 years or so since i grew up really didn't change and now that it's been another 20 years it still hasn't changed the process is moving a bit more in the direction toward where i am and where you are which is to mediate help people as you do collaborate you know to work toward a a resolution that is really supportive of the family and supportive of having a positive legacy for your family. Um, but the the go-to is still file and fight and escalate and make things worse. And that is not going to serve anybody. Yeah, escalate, make things worse, and then shove them back together and try to find a solution when you're on the eve of trial, right? So it's like, it's, it's so unfortunate how traditional attorneys just, you know, the couple could come in like this close and then the traditional negotiation process pushes them apart, builds more mistrust. And then, then no one wants to litigate. No one wants to go to trial. So then it's like, okay, now come to an agreement. When you, right. when you, when you, and, and I think the lawyers, you know, we, we learn this concept in law school of zealous advocacy, but there's no, carve out, which I, I actually had prepared a whole curriculum about like zealous advocacy in the context of family law, right? So you have to remember your client isn't just like someone who was in a car accident. Your client is going long after the ink is dry on the divorce. They still have to interact with this other person. Or even if they don't have to interact with them, if there are no children or the children are grown, they still have like their 
mind's eye of what their life was. And you're giving them, you know, if you go, if you go to litigation, and I'm not an enemy of litigation, I do think sometimes it's necessary, but most of the time it's not. And if you go there, it's really hard to unremember all those things that were said about you or written about you. And I can tell you from litigating for many years, you have to say pretty awful things about the other side in order to prevail in court. And, you know, it just becomes ugly. It doesn't really help anybody. No, it, 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 there's so many, all those things you have to say and you have to dredge, like <clears throat> dredge up in your own mind about all the terrible things that they did, all the ways they weren't a great parent or weren't a great partner or weren't a great daughter or, or son-in-law to your family. I mean, right. you, you're encouraged to think about these things. You're encouraged to write every little thing down to prepare your case. And like you said, you can't forget all of that. And now you have to go co-parent. And, right, and, you, and you've rehearsed it in your mind all the times you said it, you've written it. Now you've like cemented it. And now you've anchored in your own mind the the story, right? And so like in my divorce online mediation practice and through my work through Better Apart, like my goal is to help people look at their life in a different way with more self-respect, right? Because really, even if even if the person you're divorcing is a bad person in your mind, even if you're thinking of them as like maybe not a full-on narcissist, but like really selfish, practically narcissist, still getting divorced in a positive way is going to serve you. And, yes. and that's the thing that I really, I just want every single one of your listeners and anyone else who's heard me on any other podcast or TV show to know, like, it's just, you can do this in a way that actually sets you um, in a position that you're ready to have a better life. Because if your life is going to be bad, you might as well just stay divorced, stay married in a bad marriage, right? right? Right. That's why we call it a better divorce podcast. And, you know, right. and, and I love your book, you know, better apart because, and it's the radically positive way to separate. I love right. that title because so many people automatically think of all the negatives that go along with the marriage ending. And, right. you know, you are focusing on what can you do? What, what can be positive? What can come out of this? And a lot of it starts with you. It all you starts and, with you. and your choices, you know, you might have friends and relatives who you love, who you've been friends with for 25 years, and they're all very negative about your soon-to-be ex. Like, you might have to take a pause with some of those relationships for a little while, you know, because it's not going to actually in the long term help you to just put the other person down for a little while while you're in the angry stage, yes. But then there comes a time where you need to start moving on because it's going to help you to actually enjoy your life. Yeah. And, and create the future that you want for yourself, right? Not be tied back to, again, all that negativity. Right. So so you decided to write this book and, you know, who were you ideally, were you, you were hoping, I, I, I guess, you know, to have, to help people have a better divorce like your parents had, to transform yeah. their relationship? I mean, yeah, like I had a couple of goals. It was a, it was a real passion project of mine. Um, I, I wanted people, I wanted to give people permission that they didn't have to feel bitter, that did, they didn't have to be a doormat in order to have a positive divorce. It doesn't mean you have to just give it all away, right? You can right. still have a strong advocate. You, even if you go to a mediation, you can still have an advocate there. You can still get the best outcome for your family. I also thought, which is completely ridiculous, like, okay, well, some people go to litigation, but 
they can still read this book because even if you're in litigation, you still want to feel good, right? Because everyone, every human being in my mind wants to feel good and be happy. And so, you know, a lot of mediators actually purchase boxes of these books and give them out to their lawyer, their, their clients as just like a little takeaway after their first meeting, um, which is great. But um, you, you just asked like why I wrote it. I was kind of thinking, it didn't occur to me that it would be, I'd be selling to my choir, right? Like it, it makes sense that like you'd get a box of a hundred books and give them to your clients. But in my mind, it was the litigators who were going to do that, which makes no sense because they're really, that's not what their goal is. And they're not going to spend the money to like uplift their clients, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, no shade, but it's just, it is what it is on that regard. Right. But those who happen to find the book, um, what would they what will they know? Like, why are the mediators handing it out and why might somebody whose attorney or mediator doesn't give it to them want to pick this up? What who are you speaking to here? The mediators. Well, I'll say, first of all, the attorneys. It's not that the attorneys don't want to read the book. Their clients read the book. It's just not on brand for them. So it's not, you know, they they don't. That's not really what they're trying to do is to keep everybody calm and look at things differently. It's a whole different personality. It's a whole different, you know, way of being. Right. Exactly. The mediators and the collaborative lawyers, people who go into that tend to just have a different worldview and maybe tend to be a little bit more um, human oriented and really want their clients to. Um, to keep calm you know i just want to like editorialize a little bit on all this like lawyer bashing i do think that there's a set of lawyers who maybe because of where they come from maybe because of their life experience they saw somebody get taken advantage of and so they really fight very hard for people who they see as being taken advantage of and um Anyway, I just I just want to say that if you're you know listening to this and you're with a lawyer, like it is so good to have a strong lawyer for so many reasons. It's just probably not for 85% of you. Right. What kind of lawyer do you need? No, this isn't about lawyer bashing. It's about finding the right lawyer for you. It's like Goldilocks and the three bears, right? Like what's the right process for you? And then what's the right attorney to help you in that process that's right for you? So right. I, I, I always suggest people find their process and then find the right lawyer, not the other way around, because certain right. lawyers will push you into a process because it works best for them. And right. that's out their lens. You that's have right. to do your own exploration. And, and it may be that you have to feel around, like talk to some lawyers. You know, I, I get a lot of calls from people who've read Better Apart or who've heard or seen me on something and they really want to work with me. And then they start talking and I'm like, you can't, like, no, because like, there's like financial abuse, there's all this stuff. And then I have to send them to a lawyer. And so I sort of vet clients that way. And um, I doubt many, see, I'm doing the bashing again. I was going to say, I doubt that many litigators are saying, oh, you really should go to mediation unless it's a mediation lawyer, right? Like there are lawyers like you know, in, in who are litigators who also mediate. But well, I will say I do get referrals from attorneys who can litigate, and they 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 refer them to me because the client came in talking about mediation or collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if- it's really good to know if you're getting divorced. I mean, I actually have a section. Better apart is a real like go to toolbox kit. Like it talks about like all these emotional things, but it also talks about like questions to ask your lawyer in the first meeting. What are the different ways to get divorced? What way to get divorced is best for me? 
and then it, 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 it sort of breaks down the entire process in like yeah. a lot of detail. Right. And there's this one section, a, a, a chat, I think it's a whole chapter about patience. So I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about that, because I think that's really important because most divorces are not a couple coming to this decision at, this, at the exact same moment, right? Usually one person has been thinking about it for a while and the other person's very surprised or, yep. you know, someone does something stupid once again and, and it's like the last straw, you know, so it's rarely that you're on the same page at the same time. So I find that a lot of the clients who've been thinking about it for a while um, want it done yesterday. Yeah. If not, if not tomorrow, <laughs> or if right. not tomorrow, yesterday, I don't. It, they, it's very, very hard for them to accept that the other, their spouse is going to, um, it's going to take some time for them to come up to speed and accept this. And also, they need to be patient with themselves. So, can you talk a little bit about, you know, patience and why you wrote a whole chapter on that? So why that's part of your pro better yeah. process. You know, a divorce is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And patience, especially in this world of instant gratification and immediacy, you know, the more we have our phones connected, right? Um, the more we, we can look things up right in the moment. We're just used to getting what we want quickly. And when it comes to divorce, there is really no way to rush the wheels of justice, especially if you're going to court. Like even, first of all, to Andrea's point, um, what, what you just said about people being in a two different places, you know, divorce is like a fine wine. It needs time to age. And one person needs to catch up a little bit to the other person oftentimes. Um, but even if you're both at the same point, unless you're mediating or unless you're doing collaborative, you have to be patient with the court process. You have to be patient with the fact that the other side, like you might think, why should he get visitation you know like why should they he's doing this you can't just go into court and say you know he's never been there or she's never been there and demand visitation you have to go through a whole process from the very beginning you know discovery where you you get documents there's interviews with people it's not exciting like a courtroom television program either it is very slow the wheels of justice are are like triangles <laughs> you know they're like clunk 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 <laughs> <laughs> they, they go really slowly. And and then you have to be patient with the fact that people may not see things the way you do. You have to be patient with your ex. You might have to be patient with your parents, with your friends. Like you might want to have a peaceful divorce and your friends think you should fight. You might have to be patient with them so you don't lose long-term relationships. You, you have to be patient with yourself. Like, why don't you feel better already? You might have to be patient with your kids, like, why don't you like this new apartment? I just helped, you know, I just took you to Ikea and got, and you got all this new furniture. Why are you still crying? You know, I mean, there's so many people that you have to be patient with. And there are so many um, situations that you have to be patient with. So it's really just so important. And for me, I am like naturally such an impatient person um, that it was very obvious to me that that's a growth spot, right? For, for many, many people, like even getting better apart published, I had to get an agent. I had to sell it. I had to like it. it and then I wrote it like it came out in 2019, but the process started in 2015. And then the secrets to getting along started in 2020, 2021. And it came out in May of 2023. 
even though it is kind of the prequel it came after. But patience is just part of life. And you need patience more than ever when you are in a polarized situation. Right. So any tips for somebody who's dealing with any of those impatient feelings? Um, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you throw some out that sure. you know, more, more common ones you hear yourself? Yeah. Share? So, so a step back is the best way forward. That is like my biggest, if you remember only one thing that I say today, a step back is the best way forward. And when you're feeling impatient, you want to remove yourself from the situation, from the thought loop, from the negative um, narrative pattern that you're finding yourself in. And you're going to want to either distract yourself. I don't like that word because I don't mean by like with drugs or alcohol or something bad, but like watch a show, talk to a friend, go for a walk. That's one thing. Just take space. Mm-hmm. Give yourself an artificial time. Like, I'm not going to think about this until that date. And when it's not that date yet, I'm not allowed to think about that yet. Like, you have to develop an internal discipline around that. Okay. Um, another thing that you can do is to do some positive journaling. I'm a really big fan of that. When you're feeling impatient, do the dump if you like to write. You know, write down everything that you're feeling bad about. And then on the next page, rather than like, you know, you hear people talking about like gratitude journals, you could, you could have a patience journal where you're just, where, where you're just visualizing where you want to go, how you want things to be just the art of writing it down. You're doing kind of like reflective listening with yourself. You're mirroring yourself and you're soothing yourself. So it's like all self-soothing activities will help you to develop greater patience. Right. Right. And some deep breaths. Yeah, of course. Like deep breaths. Yeah, we can talk about that. I, I <laughs> so much. So, since you mentioned it, if if any of your listeners don't know about like what that really means with deep breathing, so for thousands of years and probably even more that we know about, humans have been doing breathing to calm their central nervous system, and just a really simple exercise is to breathe in through your nose for a count of five. Hold it at the top for a count of five and breathe out through pursed lips for a count of five and just repeat it five times. It takes like a minute and a half and do it with your eyes closed, seated in a chair. When you open your eyes and take that last breath, again, it's in, hold, out, hold. In through your nose, hold at the top, out through your nose, hold at the bottom. If the holding at the bottom freaks you out, which it might freak you out if you try it, just do in, hold, out, hold, in, hold, out, hold. I mean, I'm sorry, in, hold, out, in, hold, out. Like don't do the bottom hold if that is making you feel anxious or short of breath. Do it five times, five seconds on each time, Mm -hmm. and you will find when you open your eyes, you just feel a little bit calmer and you're creating space for better possibilities to present themselves. Yes, you can use that when you're feeling impatient, when you're feeling stressed, anxious. Oh, it's I, I, we, I think it's called box breathing because it's the, the equal number. So box breathing is when you do the, the um, in, hold, out, hold. And if you don't do the bottom hold, it's just called modified box breathing. Modified. Because it's, okay. it's more like just in, out in out yeah it, it helps regardless of whether you do box or modified it will right, help right it will and another thing is um when you're feeling 
impatient, we do this whole snowballing thing where, and so what could be really helpful is to create what I call safe haven containers where you just break out, again, you can do it in a journal, all the things that are bothering you. And you can see that maybe it's the cumulative um, effect that's actually bringing you down. It's not like one thing is so bad. It's just like, you know, Poppy, I takes all as I can and I can't take no more. Like you just, you know, and then, I don't know. I think he's, then his, his muscles pop out from his spinach. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> um, I think that was like one big long spinach ad, right? Poppy? Yeah, basically. <laughs> anyway, um, if you, if you can parse out all the little things, you'll see most of the time, most of the time, of course, there are terrible things, but most of the time it's all little things. And then you can approach each little thing one by one, but you can't do that when you're in that panic cycle. So like, for instance, I've had people come in who have like a suicidal kid, a kid who's dealing with some other you know, mental health thing, a dying parent and an annoying spouse. So they come to me to get divorced. Well, that's because the spouse, well, I know what to do about that. I could just get rid of them, but they still have all those other things. So like, you know, query, maybe you take a break on getting rid of the spouse and let some of these other things sort out and get stabilized and then take another look, right? Like maybe that's not the answer. So, you know. Yeah, or maybe it's, you know, you have to move forward with the divorce. It might not be your choice, but you find somebody to help you with your parent, like not take everything on. Right. right? And not right. Make sure your kid has the support that they need. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself while your kid. I mean, this is I, I said that really quickly and I didn't mean to sound. Oh, no. Or whatever. Like, you know, but this is in this post covid world, there are so many parents who have kids with so many different issues that cause a lot of stress for the parents and then they also have their own aging parents so getting help right to your point if they do need if you do need to get divorced um i know i'm a divorce lawyer who's always like are you sure you need to get divorced <laughs> you know I, I always tell people i'm not a should i say or should i go expert i you know i help you once you've decided you want to go um but taking care of yourself first is just absolutely essential and that's really what better apart and the secret to getting along are all about Right. I, I can't agree with you more. Um, it all, it really does come down to, and that's the only thing you can control is yourself that's and right. your feelings and your emotions and your behaviors and your actions. That's all we have, that's all we can control. We can't control the other people in our lives and what they're doing. We can only, we can only, you know, control how we react to what right. they do. Right. right. It's all so, about responding instead of reacting. And often it's very, very hard to do that. But even building the awareness, that's like one step. Right. You know, and you're, you that's why your books are so are so, so helpful to, to help people and see themselves perhaps, get some tips, get some help, and uh, try something different. You know, try right. a different Right. Tip. It's just a little cool. different. I have a lot of exercises. Every chapter in both books, I have a lot of really easy exercises that you can just do. It's not like you don't have to like buy a lot of stuff. You don't have to become a whole different person. Like you do it your way. Here's some things like mantra. The word mantra makes people say Ugh. like affirmation, you know, like I used to say to myself all the time, I am radically calm because I, I wasn't calm. I had three little kids. Now they're older. It's a little calmer, but I was I'd go to yoga and the whole time for an hour and a half, I'd be breathing in and out. I'm radically calm. I'm radically calm. 
I still, you can hear how quickly I talk. Obviously I'm still a very high octane person, but by telling myself that I'm calm, I'm slowing down a scintilla mm-hmm. and I'm just feeling that much better. And that is really what I would offer for all of you to do in your way, in your time. Like, yeah. you know, I give you ideas of ways to do it and what to say, but it's, it, this is your life. This is your process. And I really just want to give you all the tools so that you can really take control of your own future. Yeah. And that toolbox that you will use during your divorce, you can take with you. You don't have to leave it behind, right? right? So exactly. Exactly. Bring it into the new, your new life. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's good. So of all, you know, of all the tips that you have and all the tools, like what, this is my last question. Um, what is your one better divorce tip? What, what, what would you pull out of all your tips to, to say that's what your one better divorce tip that you want to share? Um, so I already shared that, you, you know, um, taking a step back is the best way forward. Mm-hmm. The other thing, which is sort of analogous to that, which I really did not like when somebody once said it to me, it's slowest is fastest. And in the book, I say, uh, piano, piano, si fa lontano, slowly, slowly, we go far. That's really the best tip. I love that. Hard now, easy later. Yes. You know, in a, I, there's a, a, a garden where I live and on the gate, there's um, it's, it's in Turtle Bay in New York. And on the gate, there's a turtle and it says Festina Lente, make haste slowly. Exactly. And I, yeah. And it, it really has become my mantra since right. I've been living there. Because yeah, I, love yep, that. So I love that. So make haste slowly. Um, go slowly to go faster, you know. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gabrielle. It was really good to have you here. And you um, where, how, how can everyone find you? What's the best yeah, way to reach out to you, find you? GabrielleHartley.com. You can learn more about how you can work with me in all variety of ways, whether you're already in court and trying to reach a resolution or you're not in court or, you know, any variety of things around your kind of family law um, issue. And I also do speak about um, conflict resolution. So you can find ways to contact me and my agent there for that. So thank you so much. Again, it's gabriellehartley.com and my books are there and everything else. Wonderful, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea. And thanks everyone for joining us on another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast. We will definitely catch you on the next episode. You've been tuning in to another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast with Andrea Vaca. Thank you for subscribing, leaving your positive comments and reviews and sharing the show with others. You can watch episodes at VacaLaw.com, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And you can listen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Bye for now. And remember, you can have a better divorce.